Confirmation, the Sacrament of Spiritual Strengthening. The Sacrament of Confirmation, what a great gift. What does it do for us? How must we use it to strengthen our faith and the faith of others? We're living in crisis times. Record-breaking numbers of priests and consecrated sisters and religious brothers have turned their backs on permanent vows and left the religious life. Millions of lay Catholic laity have either become lax in the practice of their faith or have abandoned it. Those of us who take the faith-strengthening grace from confirmation seriously have our work cut out for us. Now let's hear how and why from Father Hardin. Suppose we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Virgin most powerful, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our conference this evening is on Confirmation, the Sacrament of Spiritual Strengthening. Over the centuries, the Sacrament of Confirmation has been widely misunderstood and even openly denied. There is consequently more than academic value and at least briefly seeing how the Catholic Church has defended Christ's institution of this sacrament, its importance in our spiritual life, and how we are to put our confirmation into practice as witnesses of the true faith. Among other errors condemned by the Council of Trent, I repeat, condemned by the Council of Trent in the 16th century were three solemn anathemas on confirmation. Anathema, as we know, means let him be condemned. Let me read the exact words of the Council of Trent. First, if anyone says now the confirmation of baptized persons is a useless ceremony and not rather a true and proper sacrament, all that at one time it meant nothing more then a certain catechesis by which those nearing adolescence give an account of their faith before the church, let him be anathema. Second condemnation. If anyone says that those who attribute some power to the holy charism of confirmation 
are offending the Holy Spirit, let him be anathema. Finally, if anyone says that the ordinary minister of holy confirmation is not the bishop, but any simple priest, let him be anathema. The immediate occasion for these condemnations was, of course, the rise of Protestantism. And truly called the Protestant Reformation. I never tire repeating, there was no Protestant Reformation. There was only a Protestant Revolution. And thank God, a Catholic Reformation. However, these errors regarding confirmation go back centuries before the rise of Protestantism. And I must say it, these errors have deeply penetrated the modern world. When the Roman Catechism was published in 1566, the faithful were warned regarding the sacrament of confirmation. I quote, There are found in the Holy Church of God many by whom the sacrament is altogether omitted, while very few seek to obtain from it the fruit of divine grace, which they should derive from the sacrament of confirmation. Unquote the Roman Catechism. All of this could be said today. Only the Lord really knows, but in my judgment, confirmation is the most widely ignored sacrament of our faith. So much for the errors and denials regarding confirmation. Now the biblical witness. As we know, the New Testament scriptures do not tell us exactly when and where Christ instituted any single sacrament. That is why Jesus instituted the church to tell us infallibly that Christ did indeed institute all seven sacraments in all seven during his visible stay on earth. The biblical grounds for our faith in confirmation are Christ's promise to send the Holy Spirit on the apostles. Not surprisingly, it is the evangelist St. Luke who records the Savior's promise. Just before his ascension, Jesus told his disciples, and I quote, 
I am sending down to you what the Father has promised. Stay in the city then until you are clothed with the power from on high. Luke 24:49. On the same occasion, the Lord promised his followers, again I quote, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria, and indeed to the ends of the earth. Unquote again, St. Luke, Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. In the same context, we are told that converts to the faith were first baptized, and that the apostles, and I'm quoting Luke, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.17 Let us never forget St. Luke is the evangelist of the Holy Spirit. It was he who records what the angel said to Our Lady at the Annunciation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will therefore conceive, and the child you will bear will be the Son of the Most High. Immediately we see uh, the basic reason why Christ instituted the sacrament of confirmation was that his followers would witness to him even to the ends of the earth. Oh, we better hear and rehear that we are to witness to Jesus Christ. Remember, shall I call it a prophecy or a threat? Have you witnessed to me here on earth? Then I will witness to my Heavenly Father for you. But if you do not witness to me, neither will I witness to my Father in heaven for you. As we've said more than once, the original revealed Greek term for witnesses, as quoted by St. Luke, is martyrs. Jesus therefore sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Mary's Annunciation to bring the second person of the Holy Trinity down to earth as man. But St. Luke records 
that on Pentecost Sunday, the same Holy Spirit now was sent by Jesus Christ to provide the strength that Christ's followers would need until the end of time to be not merely witnesses, but martyrs in his name. We continue. Divinely conferred effects. There is literally a mountain of implications hidden in this precious sacrament. We shall therefore concentrate on the effects of confirmation and our responsibility to live, watch it, not only as baptized, but as confirmed Christians in our day. The Church defines confirmation as the sacrament of spiritual strengthening. In Latin, roboratio spiritualis. Our English word robust comes from the Latin robur, R-O-B-U-R, which means oak wood or hardwood, robur. More concretely, confirmation strengthens the sacramental grace we received when we were baptized of the supernatural life. Confirmation increases our sanctifying grace in every way, but mainly in deepening our capacity to remain spiritually alive. Have we been saying uh, we are to be alive twice over? Alive in body, by being animated by our soul, but alive in soul by being animated by sanctifying grace. Confirmation, therefore, gives us the power of resistance, the ability to resist dangers, and the strength to become more Christ-like until the dawn of eternity. And the threats to our supernatural life today are beyond counting. Confirmation gives us, even before the age of reason, the title to such fortitude as no one else except confirmed believers can claim. Why do they say, even before the age of reason, because the Eastern Catholic Churches give 
the young child. Baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist, all three on the same day. My mother was baptized, confirmed, and received Holy Communion at the ripe old age of three days. Being a Byzantine Catholic. Confirmation does nothing less than provide us with superhuman strength against hostile forces from within our own fallen nature and from the world and with emphasis from the evil spirit who is literally hell-bent to destroy us. Never, never in my judgment, in the 2,000 years of Christian history, has the sacrament of confirmation been more necessary, more indispensable, to remain supernaturally alive. As I'm sure we all know, there are three sacraments that confer, as we call it, an indelible character. They are baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Confirmation confers the character of assimilation to Jesus Christ as priest, as teacher, and as king. Let me repeat, the distinctive character of the sacrament of confirmation is to be made to the likeness of Jesus. Jesus as priest, Jesus as teacher, and Jesus as king. On each of these levels, the assimilation is related to Christ's role as Savior. As we know, the priesthood of Jesus is the mission that he came into the world to fulfill by offering himself in sacrifice on the cross. I cannot repeat too often what sacrifice means for essential terms. Sacrifice is the voluntary surrender of something precious to God. Voluntary surrender something precious to God. On Calvary, Jesus offered his human life for our salvation. But at the heart of Christ's bloody sacrifice on the cross was his human will freely surrendering himself to the Father. That is why we Catholics believe and dare not deny 
that every Mass is a true sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus on the altar at Mass has an authentic, true human will. Christ, being now the glorified Savior, can no longer suffer or die, but he can be willing to suffer, ready to die. And that is why the Mass is, as we know, the essence of the Mass as sacrament is the double consecration. Why double? To signify Christ's readiness to die. Christ died on Calvary by shedding his blood. In every Mass, the double consecration indicates Jesus' readiness to shed his blood if he could. And he can do so in the Mass because he has a true, I repeat, human will. On this first level of assimilation to Jesus Christ, the priest. Now this needs to be said. Confirmation gives us the strength to bear suffering. In union with Him, with Him who became man in order to be able, 50 plus years of the priesthood have taught me what I never realized, as I hope I'm beginning to realize now. At the heart of being like Jesus is being ready to suffer. Suffer, as we know, from God, with God, for God, who became man in order to teach us the deepest lesson we have to learn on earth. The deepest lesson is that suffering is profoundly, profoundly meaningful and indispensably necessary. Moreover, confirmation gives us a strength not only to suffer by enduring what is painful, but to sacrifice pleasant things that we like, giving up what is precious to us out of love for the one who died on the first Good Friday out of love for us. That's the first level of assimilation to Christ the priest. In the language of all nations, a priest is one who sacrifices. He go on. Confirmation assimilates us to Jesus, the teacher. We acquire 
to this sacrament a strong will in adhering to the faith in the face of obstacles, a strong mind in never doubting the truths of faith, a strong humility of spirit in professing the faith, and a strong wisdom that knows how to communicate this faith to others effectively. How we need, how we need to realize the power we've received to be like Jesus Christ in sharing with others what others have so generously shared with us and the strength we need to share this faith comes after the sacrament of baptism through the sacrament of confirmation. Finally, confirmation assimilates us to Jesus Christ the King. It gives us, hear it, it gives us equality of leadership, mothers and fathers in their families, leaders in society, and of course, dear Lord, priests and bishops, the quality of leadership to direct others on the path of salvation. Every confirmed Catholic is to be a leader. Do you hear me? This sacrament gives us a strong character that can withstand the ravages of bad example or the snares of seduction and a strong personality will attract even the enemies of Christ to his standard. I'll never forget the three-day debate that I had with one of the nation's most famous atheists. The debate in an opera at the University of Michigan. Some 3,000 students in the audience. As a Christian, I allowed him to speak first. Then, after his talk, I turned to Dr. Paul Van Buren. I said, Dr. Van Buren, hope you will not disappoint me. I've never had any atheist whom I knew intelligently defend his atheism. I hope you will not disappoint me. Poor man. By the end of the second day, he gave in. One well, of the highest compliments I've been paid by this nationally known atheist. If I had the faith of Father Hardin, 
I become a Catholic tomorrow. We confirmed Catholics are to be leaders. Do you hear me? We might describe the sacramental character of confirmation by calling it the sacrament of witness to Christ in the church and before the world. In other words, confirmation is the sacrament of fearless apostolic zeal. And get that adjective, fearless apostolic zeal. Having said this, you're now ready to spell out in as clear words as possible what this sacrament gives us the grace to do. In the words of the new Code of Canon Law issued by Pope John Paul II on the first Sunday of Advent in 1983, we are told that by the sacrament of confirmation, the baptized are, and I quote, made strong and more firmly obliged, get the verb obliged, by word indeed to witness to Christ and to spread and defend the faith. 